0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Sunday Conversation here on Fingerlinks1.com. I'm Josh Durso, and we are relaunching this podcast with some really, really exciting stuff, including what's on deck today. In just a few minutes, I'll be joined by the president of Patch Labs. It's a platform aimed at taking the legwork out of running a digital news website. It's perfect for freelancers or even community journalists looking to fill the void in their neck of the woods. Why? Well, because locally owned newspapers are few and far between the days, and corporate-owned newspapers and news organizations, for that matter, are cutting and gutting staffs across the country. There's urgency in my voice because this is an urgent problem, not just for news, but for democracy. Abe Brewster, who leads the Patch Labs team, reached out over Twitter after another podcast where we talked about the Patch Labs platform. That conversation was with Steve Keeler, director of the School of Media and Arts at Kyuga Community College. He saw potential in this platform much the way I did, which is why we had that conversation there are some big questions here like can this help save local hometown journalism there are a lot of ideas out there about how to fix this but very few of them put the control and most importantly the money in the journalist's hands patch labs does just that before we jump to my conversation with Abe though I ask that after we're done here visit their website and see for yourself what patch labs is doing go to labs.patch.com that's labs.patch.com you can see exactly what they're doing and why it's so important in terms of saving the news industry at this moment. Empowering journalists is how we fix this and that's the potential that this platform has. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at DeSanto Propane. DeSanto has been serving the clean energy needs of upstate New York homeowners, businesses, and home builders since 1937. As a family-owned company, DeSanto Propane has developed a reputation for reliability and dependability that is the envy of the propane industry. Become a customer or learn more by calling 1-800-752-4574. That's 1-800-752-4574.
1: Uh, hi, my name is uh, Abe Brewster. I am the uh, president and CTO of Patch Labs and consulting CTO to Patch.com, a hyperlocal news platform. And I've been with Patch since the turnaround of was CTO for five years plus, And now I'm
0: on this new venture. All right. So. I want to start with sort of an overview of the platform and the benefits. So walk us through what Patch Labs is all about.
1: Sure. sure. My pleasure, Josh, and thanks for having me on. Thanks again to uh, Steve Keeler for uh, doing that quick one on us uh, before. That's how we got introduced, and it's been fascinating uh, talking to you over the last couple of, well, now a month and a half or so. Um, so Patch Labs uh, started out as a design-build process, uh, which is a fancy way of saying we saw someone doing this thing right, and uh, wanted to build a platform to facilitate it, which is to make help a local ambitious entrepreneurial journalist pay their own mortgage. And we we took we took that as our premise. We weren't going to solve the local news problem. We're technologists, and uh, and somewhat product people. Well, and what we can do is build a technology to facilitate that problem. Because if we allow you to make money, a local journalist, you are going to do the hard work of saving local news. And and we we know that we can help that, uh, but we know we also are not going to be the saviors. The, the people on the ground in their towns are going to be the saviors of local news. And so to, to do that, we... we started by building a platform which is really about monetization opportunities for these individuals um who are doing it really well and so we uh we have a a couple of people that we started talking to um and saw how they had been doing it what they were doing and started basically building a platform for them, and saying this is what we're going to do we're going to imitate everything you're going to do it and we're going to do it on with you know a little significantly more technological resources and significantly more uh, maybe uh, enterprise knowledge um, and and hardware uh, behind put a little bit more muscle behind this thing, um, and so what do we do? We we, we basically have built an enterprise grade uh, local news platform um, which uh, can facilitate any number of people. Uh, who want to make a living doing this job, which we feel is critical to democracy as we know it. And in even more critical democracy going forward, as we see local news uh, in crisis, uh, to put it lightly across the country. And I don't know how we can put it. (laughs) If calling it in crisis is lightly, we got a real problem. Right. So, um, so, uh, so that's, that's, That's the sort of premise, you know, we are going to save the journalists uh, first. And now, uh, so we went about building things that in the platform, for instance, and there's, you know, we are adding to it every day. Uh, We have, you know, hyperlocal news, for instance, we have the weather, we have local COVID statistics built in, you know, things like that that would take a long time for someone to technologically sort of cobble together on their WordPress site or whatever they're working on. Um, We have uh, newsletters built in, breaking news alerts built in, site metrics built in, uh, sort of integrations with payment processors so you can accept donations uh, and have ads bought natively right on the platform so you have both and those ads can be bought onto the website and they can be bought straight into the newsletters so and uh because we realize that uh, so many local ads and that kind of support has um is, is so recurrent for, for local news people um, in, lo- in the local news platforms, in the local news space, I should say. Uh, all of those things are recurring revenue models, meaning they're subscriptions basically, versus a one-off. So someone's not gonna buy an ad and then the is gonna go away. Uh, each one of those things is a subscription until they cancel it, right? But uh, but we have realized that basically if you're the real estate agent in the town, you're gonna wanna be seen on the local news outlet in the town. And as such, you're probably not going to. Uh, you're probably not going to churn out that often. So we built these things so that they just by default are recurrent. And so, so and frankly, that allows a local reporter uh, to take a weekend off and not worry about <laughs> how much money they're going to make. I mean, right. the, the the flywheel of programmatic advertising is is, is sort of created created some of the most perverse incentives in the news industry that there are, which is, you know, clickbait traffic in order to get people on the site. And it burns out reporters, meaning you can't rest for even a weekend. And, you know, news never stops and no one's got, you know, one of the things we built into Patch a long time ago was like, you can't schedule a breaking news alert, you know? So, so, so because if you could break schedule a breaking news alert, you'd be God. So, uh, so, so what? Uh, so what we, you know, but so we do understand that, you know, breaking news is, you know, something that is the curse of the profession. Uh, you know, that, you know, if there's a fire on Main Street at 12 o'clock on Saturday night, that's where you go. Yeah. Right. Um, and that's the newsletter you send out right then. But uh, by and large, we're, we're trying to insulate the, the people who are doing this thing from, you um, those downward revenue pressures of programmatic ads. Um, now we may or may not build a programmatic stack into the into this into the system that you could just turn on and be turnkey, but at the level of page views that most local newspapers are are getting, it's it's not enough to pay your mortgage, while direct ads will, you know, it's almost a, a 10 to 20x multiplier there we've seen. So that that's it. We also have, you know, all sorts of other things in the platform and I, and I can go into any of them in detail. Uh, we have, you know, other users can join the platform, contribute to the calendar, put up their own classified ads, that kind of business. We have uh, within the news uh, sort of organization with uh, that is running each site. You can have sort of the editor and then reporters and then uh, who can publish or not. So you have this uh we have news organizations actually mm-hmm. uh, using this thing, um, and we also have uh, the idea of a contributor, which is you know a member of the community who's giving you trusted good content, uh, but it doesn't get your byline. So again, understanding that local news is often a symbiotic relationship between uh, the, the the reporting structure, the the, the, the journalists, and the. Uh, sort of the community and as we've seen that on patch as well um that that once you have these other sort of blessed people for instance uh a funeral home or a yoga studio who's writing wellness content or something like that that's really good content really good for this really good for the community um they get to publish that stuff as as well and then we also even believe it or not have commission-based ad sellers so if you're really a reporter and you really don't think you can sell an ad you can find someone to sell an ad for you and give them a percentage of every ad sale they, they make
0: in the 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 platform as we talked about the last time uh you and i did this uh the platform takes out the legwork of even that activity the the percentage cut for oh, the person ad- who's running the ad
1: yeah, I, yeah, one of my developers, I think is still cursing me for making him do that, but yes. <laughs>
0: so,
1: so essentially, I mean, let's say, let someone buys an ad and you have a, a seller sells an ad for, uh, with a 20% commission on it for our, let's say it's a $500 ad, um, running a leaderboard or something like that at the top of the website. Um, you know, the transaction pieces are taken out and then, uh, you know, those transactional costs, credit card costs and so on and so forth. And then it goes, you know, the bulk of the money goes right to the uh, editor of the or the owner of the business on the platform, and then immediately debited out of that account and transferred to the seller's account is the percentage, and that's also recurrent, right? Mm-hmm. So the seller gets the recurring benefits of it as well. And it's just, a, it's a simple model, but I think simple models make the most sense, frankly, for this. And, and especially at the local level versus in a sort of corporate structure where you're uh, needed to do, do new business kind of stuff all the time.
0: Another part of that that I wanted to uh, key in on a little bit, if we could, is, um, this isn't just so i I think when people see patch labs the platform and they see Mm -hmm. how it's structured they're going to think about the freelancer but Mm -hmm. you guys actually do have organizations yeah absolutely using this platform walk us through why they're there and and what it was that drew them to what patch was
1: okay so yeah and i want to i want to also stress that patch labs is a fully sort of independent entity within the sort of larger patch Structure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. My,
0: um, my my mistake there on the shortening that. <laughs>
1: yeah. I know. But we. No. We. You know, I just want to make sure that the people know that because you know we are not we are not Patch. We are an innovation arm of Patch. We are building a product which is you know isolated from Patch. And if you know if we build something that's really cool on our platform, sure, we'll give it to Patch. There's no no problem with that. That's just sharing technologies and sharing good good practices. And just like well, I pretty much help. Build patch. So I've taken a lot of those lessons and put them into here. So, uh, so we, um, I, you know, it's a symbiotic relationship, but it's it's not um, one of dependence. Um, so the, um, so to to your point, rather uh, the we do have organizations who are on the platform now. Uh, one of which is a newspaper in Michigan, and at the beginning of COVID. Uh, they shut down the paper. They shut down the paper plant. Uh, the the website sort of went on life support, um, and you know, and there are any number of uh, you know endangered or closing newsrooms due to this virus. Uh, you know, there's I we are running a list of them, but you know, this week there was one I think in Indiana. Uh, last week in Illinois. A couple of weeks ago in Connecticut, Massachusetts goes on all, all over the place, and. So anyway, this newspaper closed down. They got some seed money from an investor to uh, sort of reignite themselves, probably as a, as as a weekly rather than as um, I think a daily, which they may have been beforehand. Um, but they had, you know, again, uh, as I think I mentioned to you, most local newspapers are running on some WordPress install that was done eight years ago by their cousin's kid and you know they're burdened by the technology it is in no way kept up with the modern web and uh so what they did uh, essentially is scrapped it and frankly you know the amount of uh, the, the amount of traffic that you get on old articles as a news organization josh as i'm sure you know is 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 very little um you know the long tail thing is helpful but it's not a very big tail basically once you're a news organization if you're a content farm it's a much bigger deal like um but like a recipe site that has the the timeliness of your recipe has nothing to do with how good your recipe is right but the timeliness of your news article does (laughs) so um so they they scrapped their old site they said okay we're going to start and over the course of one week, they wrote the last. They poured it in. I think sort of copied and pasted the last, oh, months worth of content onto the platform. Uh, migrated their something like eight reporters, I think six or eight reporters, mm-hmm. onto the platform, and re, uh, repointed their domain to the you know the new. The new numbers, the new DNS entries for us, and we're up and running. And they're now seeing more engagement on their platform, on their news site, than they've ever seen before. And it's solely because we've taken the tech, tech problem completely away from them. Um, and local news folks have to, you know, stick together. And I, we we feel that deeply. And, and our and 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 to that end, I should say, like we had a call with them a couple of weeks ago. And I was, you know, I said, "How can I help? What do we? What do you guys need?" And uh, they said, first of all, they were surprised that anyone started a call that way." <laughs> but uh, I was like, "No, that we're really like that." Um, but the and uh, they came up with a couple of really good ideas. They said, "What about this? And what about that?" And I said, "Well, well, hell, that one's really good." So we and that one's been released this week, which was, you know different ways of having sort of supporter subscriptions onto the site. It was a very good idea. I built it for them in a couple of weeks and it's out for everybody on the platform. So we get to, we get to really take the best ideas of everybody and push, push it across all the sites. So now everybody is benefiting from someone else's good idea rather than being a little outpost of progress in, you know, goodness knows where in New York state trying to make a go of it. Right. Um, And, Rather than and saying, actually, now I can. You know, we had someone in North Salem, New York, saying, "That's saying, hey, I really don't know how to do this one thing. How, do, how does one best work with a sort of sponsored content or something sort of like that on the site?" And we said, "Well, put you in contact with one of the other editors on the site who's really doing it well." Huh, so yeah, all yeah. of a sudden we have this, you know, small but growing community of people who are sort of helping each other out. And you're not all fighting this battle alone. It's, it's, it's like when we started turning around patch, we put all of edit into all the editorial uh, folks into one Slack channel. And all of a sudden our traffic went through the roof because they started sharing strategies on, you know, how to get, tell the best stories. Mm-hmm. And it was really uh, you know, it's one of those lessons we've seen at Patch that we are now sort of helping out these other sites with so that it's, it's a, you know, they're, by and large, they're certainly not in competition, because the competition at the local level is almost meaningless anyway. And uh, they are really trying to help each other out and help each other learn. Um, and so that's, I think, one of the more exciting pieces on the platform. And as soon as we get something like that, we write the reporter who's doing it and say, "Could you just write down how you do that? And then we put that in as, as sort of a resource within the platform so that someone can go in and read about it, right? Yeah. And so we have a, you know, a whole bunch of sort of tutorials and how to do this and how to, you know, what ads are and how to, you know, uh, start thinking about being a publisher, not just a journalist and so forth. But we really do feel that if we can help journalists pay their mortgage, if not completely pay their mortgage, uh, we're going to have a much better news ecosystem in this country. And so that's what our our fundamental aim is, and we're here to help them succeed.
0: I'm curious about your perspective, and I, I feel like we've talked a little bit about this before, but it seems that um a lot of newsrooms get really caught up in really busy chasing platforms instead of focusing on building their own and that's kind of like that's like an internal thought of mine that i see when i look out into the sea of the news business i see a lot of a lot of newsrooms chasing for example right now tiktok and mm-hmm. trying to get on that platform and trying to create content that's really good for for that particular platform but they're forgetting about their own platform, and in a lot of cases, like you said, these small publishers really don't have the best platforms to begin with, and that's where you guys come in. Where you're you're basically you have all this infrastructure, mm-hmm. and it, it's it's interesting because there's this the community element that you're talking about. Do you think that the the Patch Labs product can actually help maybe get some journalists out of? the mindset of feeling like they have to chase that platform like a, a lot of i know a lot of newsrooms rely on on facebook mm-hmm. as a major traffic driver mm-hmm. and that probably is still the case to some degree for the folks who are using patch labs as a platform sure. but i would i would also assume that since the infrastructure is there to help build those other revenue streams that maybe it allows them to get out of that you know, that sort of, uh, race, that never ending race right. to find traffic, wherever the traffic happens to be.
1: Right. I mean, that's, and that's a really good point. I think there's, you, you've, you've and we, we touched on this earlier too, uh, in our earlier conversation, just before we started here, the, the, the patterns of, um, the patterns of web behavior, uh, and, and news consumer cons, consumption, I should say, uh, have changed, you know, in the last five years and then in the five years before that and in the five years before that in in, in tectonic ways
0: mm-hmm. and,
1: and trying to keep up with those rather than just writing the content, right? Because all these things are just feeding off your good content anyway, right? I mean, it, it's fundamentally, you know, if you have... The, the content is finally what is king here. But the patterns of consumption of that content have so changed that they have sort of started creating, again, more downward revenue pressures on these news organizations. So if you're chasing TikTok or if you're chasing Facebook traffic or you're chasing Twitter traffic or you're chasing, you know, whatever traffic it happens to be, you're not spending your time writing the content that's really relevant to your readers. You're not build, building value. You're just chasing page views right? And you're probably chasing disloyal page views if, if you're doing that anyway, which are people who, you know, who are going to come in, be one and done, versus come in, oh, wow, this is really good. This is about my time. I'm going to subscribe to the newsletter. I'm going to support this organization. Um, and I'm going to make it sort of a destination, a part of my sort of news consu- consumption pattern. Um, so, I don't want to dismiss the the power of Facebook and the need for Facebook and the need for Twitter and the need for, you know, Instagram, TikTok, whatever else it is. But if you're the journalist and you're trying to serve all those other masters, you're probably not serving the you know, journalism (laughs) as much as you could be. And so we are building certain integrations that make that stuff very quick, quick and painless to do, Um, you uh, you know, immediately tweet. This is, you know web 1.1 stuff, but you know, tweet something instantly, Facebook something, but um, post it to Facebook, whatever. But I think really, the more you can create a loyal following, um, you know, through somewhere like something like a newsletter, uh, which is disintermediated by all those things, you don't get to control, you get to control when your audience sees it versus they do, right? Yeah. Um, you know, that that's the real sort of place to start moving your traffic if you possibly can. Now. That's not saying that you can ignore those other outlets, right? right? You really have to do the work there too. But it shouldn't be a chase. It should be, I think, is a, there is a model by which you sort of invert that and say that your content is king, and you are moving it out there versus chasing around for a page view in order to gratify some page view metric that means that you make a buck, right? <laughs> um, which is which is really hard to do, and it's really fickle. Mm-hmm. Right. And so um, and, and that's I think we talked about programmatic ads before. Uh, you know, programmatic ad revenue is is completely dependent on page views coming into the site, basically. And uh, it, as such, it is one of the greatest perverse incentives in journalism to create Clickbaity articles that will just get you a whole bunch of page views, irrespective of the quality of the journalism, irrespective of the loyalty of the people coming in there. And so I think that we're really building, uh, you know, through all sorts of stuff, you know, automatic moderation of uh, comments, you know, blocking spam bots from coming in so that you don't have to do that. All that stuff is to really create a a fertile platform for a local news ecosystem to sort of spring up around some really quality reporting. And that's, that's really what we're about here. And, you know, it's entirely possible that a person can make their living on it or a newsroom can use it as their outlet, their main outlet. Um, and it's entirely possible that it could be used as a side, you know, a side hustle for someone who's just really uh, interested in one or two things in their town and report the living crap out of them. And, uh, and we have been pulled that over and over and over is that if you are trying to, uh, if you're trying to create a great local news product before you can sell your ads, you gotta you know, report the living hell out of your town. And I mean, you have to have a product to sell. And, and, and so we, we coach people into that. Um, but also coach them into sort of, we know that the inflection point for a newsletter list to start growing on its own is around 150 people, right? At a, yeah. at a town level, right? And not at, certainly not at the Finger Lakes One level, right? Finger Lakes One is a much bigger outfit. Um, but Patch, which is an interesting use case here, is, you know, it's in 1,200 towns or so, but it's in 1,200 towns, so, and each town has its own newsletter. So we sort of have seen these seen the things that can work at the town level and know where those inflection points are. And then we have sort of taken that knowledge and put it into our platform in uh, sort of very extensible ways for uh, for local news reporters and or organizations to do it
0: so you mentioned something uh, a couple minutes ago that I think is is interesting uh, you mentioned comments which it seems like is something as far as a lot of news organizations are concerned um, it's just moving completely off of their platforms they're, they're doing away with it. They don't want to navigate it. They don't want to moderate it. They don't want to do any of that stuff. Yeah. But you guys have included it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious what the thought process was on it. If if you see that as sort of kind of an important, is that an important bridge to build a, a, a community as far as readers are concerned, do you think? So it's a great question. Uh, we have, we've looked, you know, we've l-
1: watched this, uh, play out over a long time, right? The sort of comment spam stuff, the nasty people in comments um, and the sort of questions of expression and everything else that go through with that. And uh, it's it's an extraordinarily complicated issue. But if you take an analogy of someone reading a newspaper out loud on a town green and someone coming up and saying, that's totally wrong, right? Uh, That's actually a decent, a decent dialogue to have. And so I think we think of comments as a way of creating loyal audience, right? And uh, so, and the more we can do that, you know, users can come to the platform, log in, post their bake sale, you know, on the calendar, they can come into the platform, post their car for sale, post their house for sale, post a hot news tip, post their opinion. Right? Um, the editors on the platform have the ability to choose whether that stuff is included in their newsletters or not, mm-hmm. if they want. Um, but the comments on the platform are also, uh, we've put some sort of interesting muscle behind them. So uh, without tipping off too many of the spam bots, um, what, what, what I'm going to say is that, you know, we've, we, have, we have all sorts of signals uh, coming into the platform. Let's say expletives, right? Someone uses a bad word, we bleep them out. No, nope. you know, just like little asterisks where the expletive was, <laughs> and uh, you know we we miss some of the more creative ones, but we've got a lot of them, and uh, and the post is immediately flagged as offensive. On the so you get a notice saying, hey, by the way, your post was flagged as offensive, and a machine did it. The editor gets a note that hey, you know, Josh posted another offensive comment, <laughs>
0: right? And uh, Josh, she's always doing that.
1: <laughs> he's a bad apple. Uh, but the uh, so and uh, so we and so what that's doing. The theory is uh, that again, it's planting a carrot and getting a carrot. We do not want to plant. You know, if you just take a garden, you put it out there, and you say grow, and throw some carrot seeds in there, right? You're going to get weeds. And everything else, but if you say take a garden and you put some carrot seeds in it, and you put down some mulch, and you like weed it every once in a while, and do all sorts of other sort of best practices around your carrots, you're going to get carrots. Okay. And so I think I think that's the way we approach the comment situation. We've also took a lot of lessons out of places like the Coral Project, which um, rather than just having a single flag, you know, when you flag something, we're prompting you with choices: is why are you flagging it? Is it offensive? right is it spam is it not local because we actually think that's the signal we need in the platform um, but we also have i disagree which is turns out 90 percent of the time people flag something because they disagree with it and so not because it's an offensive post so what's interesting there is that you can also you we we get more and more intelligence around And our users do, because all these things roll up to the editors. And they actually roll up to the users as well. So the users can see how many times they've been disagreed with or whatever else it is. Um, You can get sort of the right kinds of uh, feedback versus just feedback that's amorphous and negative. Because that's not really helpful, right? You know, a like is, you know, a like and a you know a thumbs up or whatever else that's all lovely right but the stuff that's that's actually sort of informative just like you know if someone says your painting is great that's lovely but if someone says your painting is great but I really think you should have used red over here or that's a little bit more helpful or right. uh, or you're not thinking about it right um, and so the so too with the comments like you can start seeing oh I'm getting a whole bunch of non-local stuff because I'm just posting general election updates when they're all getting that from CNN. Right. And so if you start saying, oh, this is the results of the general election, and here's how it helps, you know, affects you, Rochester, right? Or whatever else it is, that's no one's gonna flag that as non-local. But we want you to understand that, but hey, by the way, you're a local news operation and you're getting flagged as non-local. That's an important signal to get as an editor. Does that make sense? So that's why so we built in comments, but they're not just
0: comments. it's interesting that You've provided the user the option of disagreeing, because when I look at social media, I can't help but think that that's probably the the big thing that's missing. Mm-hmm. From the platform itself, and maybe at least part of the reason why the dialogue on social media has gotten as toxic over the years as it has, mm-hmm. um, sort of absent of the the mayhem that is the current uh, White House. Um, but it, it, it's interesting because they, I and I'm very curious. We we Finger Lakes One we did away with our comment section as well, and you know we did it probably about two years ago. We just made the decision that you know. It was time to move on because most of the dialogue was happening on Facebook, um, and and it was a lot of uh, on the pla- on our platform. It was a lot of spam and a lot of sort of junk, and it wasn't really you know constructive in the way that you want you want it to be. That said, I can think back to quote unquote our early days when our our forums were alive and well, and and a lot of folks who are listening to this are probably smiling right now because they were either on the forums under an alias or, or a, were on it as someone where they were open about uh, who they were. But uh, forums were sort of, you know, when you think about the early 2000s and mid 2000s, how that community was built in a yeah. lot of ways. And it's just fascinating now to watch newsrooms and news organizations sort of struggle with Not just the identity part, but the community part. Like it's become really hard to build community and now trust. And it seems like all these different factors play into it. One of the things I wanted to ask you about also um, while we're talking here is paywalls. Mm -hmm. How does... How does Patch deal with that? Navigate that that concept. Obviously, you're bringing the the ability to subscribe, and you're bringing ads in, and all the infrastructure is there. Um, does Patch do anything in the in Patch Labs? Uh, be clear um, in the realm of paywall or or allowing the publisher to create a paywall of some kind.
1: So. You may be leading the witness here but i or you just didn't <laughs> you've been hiding in my email box but if we're uh we're not i think a lot of publishers throw paywalls up and it's basically like walking out and hitting your face in the you're know, hitting yourself in the face with a hammer why would you do that right yeah. you stop you stop people from seeing your news you try to force them to pay the washington post you know certain papers of record can get away with it right? Um, But most can't, and especially at the local level. And when you're either just going to migrate back to your, you know, toxic local Facebook, you know, group or whatever else it is. And so what we're going to, we're going to be rolling this out actually very soon to everybody. It's not just, you know, we don't just do it for one site. We do it for all the sites. Uh, The ability to selectively pick an article to say, I'm going to, in the in web lingo it's the toaster which is like a pop-up at the from the bottom of the page but it's uh um i on this article you know after a certain amount of scroll depth on the page someone's written read half the article or something like that we're gonna pop up the thing and say hey say consider supporting me um and so first of all there's no seo penalty we're not blocking the bots second of all it's you know you can x out by saying no i'm a crummy person and i don't want to support local news Um, and or uh but also just to build awareness around the fact that it is uh this is this don't come for free right and and you know, there's there's an opportunity to support the journalism that you're already deeply engaged with at that point, mm-hmm. right? So you know, you're you're engaged in the article, and I think that's a far more effective way of doing it than just throwing it up at the bottom of every page, right? So, and you can probably we'll probably build it in so you can pick a like subscribe to the newsletter versus uh, contribute kind of thing, um, mm-hmm. uh, and we'll look at best practices. And another thing that we. Uh, I failed to mention earlier, is we're going to be A/B testing the crap out of that. Yeah. So we'll see, you know, which of these things is more effective. And as the machine starts learning that, we will start spinning that back into uh, everybody on the platform. So we'll say, guess what? This is the better language. It's better if it's you know purple and flashing and has a little kitten running across the bottom, whatever else it happens to be. Um, we'll we find the best, the most effective way of doing it, and then we'll sort of roll that in and then keep iterating against that. So I think that's that's how we're going to attack the problem, I think, initially. Um, I, I, I have trouble seeing at this point um, how paywalls are an effective revenue stream unless you're almost a critical news utility,
0: like the Post or the New York Times kind of thing. Right. It's one, and that's kind of... Yeah, you know, that's why I was curious because it seems to be that especially in some of the more traditional uh mediums like you know, newspapers, mm-hmm. there is a a strong desire um to enforce the the paywall uh methodology. But it's it's just curious because like you like you alluded to, I'm I'm not really sure how that can frankly work in the long term.
1: Well you have to um, have a I mean, and that's you know, in some ways, that's an old mindset being applied uh, to a new model, and that you know, <clears throat> and if everybody worked that way, we would have designed an airplane with feathers, on, right? right? But we, but but we're, we didn't. And I think the um, the the issue is, you know, you don't have a printing plant, you don't have the delivery costs that you did before. You have a different set of costs, which are you know equally and, and in some ways far more opaque. But. Uh, but the, the paywall is a function, I think, of a previous model that people just don't expect anymore. And frankly, there are way too many alternatives to get less trustworthy, but probably close to factually, you know, near enough to a story yeah. uh, that people can go to. It's, uh, you know, it's the old MP3 versus CD argument as well, you know.
0: Not necessarily, obviously not Uh, Patch Labs related here, but um, Mm -hmm. what do you make of the idea of, because alternatively to the the traditional paywall, we hear or we see little bits and pieces every now and then about a, a kind of like a pay per story kind of Mm-hmm. Idea, like a, a system that could allow someone to make a small contribution to see like a single article on a single occasion. Right. Do you think that's something that could ever have like, not just, not with, with patch labs. I'm just sort of, when you look at the news business, does that seem like a, a legitimate uh, solution to, you know, the monetary problem that a lot of news organizations are dealing with? So,
1: so, so the, the notion of sort of a micro payment for yeah. one-time access, I think it's a, it's a, it's a good idea. I think, you know, it's similar to what we're suggesting, but we're just gonna say, you know, become a supporter for five bucks a month versus, you know, one buck to read an article. Yeah. Uh, and frankly, the transaction fees on that buck are gonna be knock the revenue down to whatever it is. If it's mm-hmm. a dollar, it's down to, I mean, the minimal transaction fee on that's gonna be somewhere around 30 some odd cents, right? So if that can become recurring revenue, you're gonna be to do a lot better and actually be insulated far more so um, the vicissitudes of site traffic and everything else so i mean if if it works first for you like medium or uh whoever it is that does that kind of thing every once in a while that's awesome um but my guess is if you're trying to build a local news organization that's going to be trying to sustain itself over the long haul uh you're going to want to build as many recurring revenue streams as possible and you know it's my sister is a is a farmer and she runs a, an organic farm and she has a, a bunch of different kinds of vegetables, You know, very diversified agriculture. And a, and a number of years ago now, the tomato blight came through here and knocked out all of her tomatoes. And was, I was down the street talking to the guy at the farm stand and he said, yeah, I know this organic grower a couple of times over and she lost 1500 tomato plants in a day. I said, I know that organic grower too, she's my <laughs> sister, but she had a CSA. Right. She had, you know, community supported agriculture where people had bought in at the beginning of the season. She had pepper plants. She had Swiss chard. She had all these other things that people continued to buy, and she had already had a major investment into her platform or her platform, her farm, uh, for the beginning of the year. And so it's it's a. Uh, I think um, that kind of situation where you you diversify your revenue streams, have them recurring like a CSA kind of idea Mm -hmm. uh, is going to be far more sustainable for a a small uh, organization with a very small possible, you know, potential pool of readers. So that's one thing that I think local news, most models who look at local news as a top-down enterprise, like a large scale Problem, uh, miss, which is the people look, oh, there are 300 million people in the countries. So therefore, you can, you know, if you can get to 30% penetration, you're hitting 100 million people, right? Yep. Well, the, there is that. But if you start doing the real hard math of uh, local news, you don't have, and you're in a town the size of, you know, I don't know, Geneva, which is what, 28,000 people, something like that? I don't oh, know. Oh, God, no. More. About 12,000? 12, 12,000 now? Yeah. Uh, So, so, so Geneva is 12,000 people, right? That's what, uh, probably a third of them are under the age of 18. Okay. So that's 8,000 people and that's now 4,000 households, right? And it's, and so you have a really small pool out of which to make a sustainable business. And, and so what you really have to do is think of the problem as a bunch of puddles rather than a deep ocean of, of people. And so when you start thinking about it that way, you have a newsletter list in Geneva of 2,000 people, you're doing really well, right? Because yeah. you're in 50% of the households, right? And yeah. so it's, it's a, and there's not much more to go from there. So then you have to start being inventive because your newsletter is only gonna get you so far, just like Dina's Tomatoes only get her so far, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and she's gotta have other things to serve them. And so I think that that's that's the way we're approaching the platform too, you know, every different revenue stream. Now we'll be monetizing events too to get your event promoted into the newsletter or something like that. Uh, But there's just not that many events right now. So we did that at patch and it was a great business for us. And we're going to do that for uh, these, you know, for the labs folks as well um, as soon as we can. Um, But, you know, there's no immediate rush to that because no, no events happening till Q3 or whatever it is this year. (laughs) But I mean, I think, and lastly, in terms of on this, question of diversified agriculture again uh but, but i think the more we get the more people we get on this platform and the more different use cases i mean we're, we're talking to a group of um people uh in the midwest right now in big city there who are uh doing a lot of sort of uh sort of recording of town meetings and so on and so forth and so they're and and we might even build an integration with them so that they can then dump that you know hit a button and publish their stuff onto labs under their labs instance right and so uh and that would be a wonderful integration to see how those kinds of civic groups can work in a much more urban context than in like a suburban context Right, right, Um, right and uh we're working with you know someone who wants to run two independent websites that can share content so that's another interesting uh, oh. possibility. it would be like oh if Finger lakes one and finger lakes 2.com you know wanted to share content between one another you know um, so that's an interesting uh, use case for us to pursue as well but as we gain users we gain use cases. Right. Right. As we gain use cases, we gain implementations. and As we gain implementations that benefits everybody on the platform. And so we're, we're really excited about, you know, new people coming on, trying it out. And I, you know, we should stress that, believe it or not uh, you can be up and running on your own website, taking credit card payments easily within 15 minutes on this thing. I mean, it's, it's, We've made getting online really quick and easy. And that's, I think, again, right to the point of removing barriers for people, uh, all the technological barriers for people getting going.
0: Yeah. And, and it's interesting when you, when you mention the diversification part, you know, the, the thing that I think about all the time are, are the news organizations that do non news organization stuff in order to, you know, sort of shield their bottom line or to at least, you know, make sure that they're holding the line so that they don't have to worry about more, more cuts. And, and it, it, what's fascinating about what you guys, or I should say the platform provides for is automation in places where otherwise there would be a lot of, a lot of labor at the end of the day. Um, when you look at the news business and you look at the, the Patch Labs model and you look at sort of what the traditional model has been, even whether it's digital or print or magazine or radio or whatever the case may be, media, um, does it seem like we're getting to a point where it needs to stop being big, where we need to start to let the grassroots reclaim, for example, local news? Uh, you think? <laughs> <laughs> Too obvious? Well,
1: you know, how else are you going to do that? I mean, people are jawing are a lot about machine-written content, right? And, and you know, a lot of that's great. You know, you can get, let's say you get the baseball box score and a machine can write that article, right? Yep. Pretty much. Um, the machine is never going to really be able to write the article about, you know, the scandal in town between the dog catcher and the cat catcher, or whatever it happens to be, is actually of significant relevance to the town, okay. and it's going to be it's going to be really hard to uh, you know you can get all sorts of technological signals about that you can you know follow a bunch of Twitter streams and try to filter them you can follow a bunch of Facebook streams and try to filter them uh, there are a lot of great platforms out there that do that. Um, but that's still not going to write the content for your for your users in a way that provides any kind of insight. And um, <clears throat> at Patch, we've often used uh, the term hyperlocal paradox. And, uh, and, and I think it doesn't apply. It only applies to a large-scale organization, the hyperlocal paradox. When you're a small-scale organization, the hyperlocal paradox does not apply. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the way we describe it. Um, if this was normal time, you and I would be in the same room and we would be having this conversation across the table. Yep. And if I smelled smoke and I yelled fire, right? It would be of extreme relevance to you and the people probably in the next room, maybe a couple of rooms around us, right? Yeah. But not relevant to anybody a quarter mile away, right? No. Nah. So with incre- increasing, increasing. Lo- with increasing relevance right and with increasing value to your audience in some ways uh, the audience shrinks so 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 the, the greater the value the smaller the audience in some way Um, And so we see that over and over and over again at the large scale level at patch. And, you know, and that's frankly why the, the sort of, even the regional news business is having major trouble. And, you know, you guys are doing it all right from everything I can see, but I think that there are a lot of people who are not. Um, And a lot of the big players are having, are struggling in the regional area. And I think that the reason that is, is that they, they, they continue to think that they can get away with a sort of commoditized stuff at the top as, as filler. Right. Uh Which has really low value because people can get it elsewhere. Right. And, and so, yeah, we're going to do the regional arts piece. Right. And this is, you know, this is what's going on four counties away that you really should care about. And that is not going to build a loyal readership. You know, you know, the, that the, the stop sign is down at, you know, Main Street in Washington yeah. is of local relevance, right? And it's a snarl. And so, the, and that's extremely valuable to you because you're trying to get to work, right? And so I think that what we've, what we see is that that stuff is going to all, it's always, it, people need it and they're gonna get it somehow, right? And if you can provide it in a way that allows Especially someone's significant amount of integrity to be writing those kind that kind of content, right? Journalistic integrity. Um, by the way, we put the SBJ sort of guidelines right into the platform. There's a, they're part of the terms of of the agreement and all that kind of stuff. Su- society of Professional Journalists um, to people who are challenged by acronyms like I am. Um, but the uh, but as you see that you see. Um, you can if you start looking at all sort of this holistic picture of, you know, so making money, relevance of local information, the sort of the ease by which people commoditize the sort of the 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 non-local content and it's creates less and less sort of value and loyalty to those institutions. We really believe there's a place for this kind of model to work. And we've just got to find our a way to make to facilitate, I should say, uh in every way possible um, the community supporting their journalists and journalists supporting their communities you know and and, and it's it's not a one way top down approach it's 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 absolutely two people, you know two groups coming together to to create an institution which they both know they frankly need badly and just can't find a way to make it work and we're here to help that i mean that and it's really that simple it's really that simple we're just here to help and as cheesy as that sounds it's true
0: And One of the things that I appreciated when we we talked the first time, which was like a month and a half ago now, um, was that you weren't really bashful about the fact that Patch Labs is setting out to help journalists make a living. That's sort no. of like step one in the whole process. And it seems like whether we're talking about paywalls or whether we're talking about ad revenue or where the ad revenue is coming from or what kind of ad it is, seems to all kind of be dancing around or tiptoeing around the the, the fact that in order for journal, journalists to do what they need to do, they need to get paid. And it's just interesting because it, it, it seems like that has been sort of... Avoided to a bit at least on the conversational side that exchange between the community, the person reading the the, the content, and uh, the person who's doing the reporting.
1: Right. Yeah. Amen. And I mean, we really—it's been immensely clarifying to us. I should say that you know when we make a decision on the platform, that's the first question we ask. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
1: And we have one job, which is to make this a sustainable enterprise for journalists. Now. If you're not gonna put any effort into it, you know, that's, we can't help you there, right? We can't grow right. money from a tree. But if, but if you're making a, a legitimate effort, you're putting in the hours and the time, um, and we can help you succeed, we're gonna do that. And we really, uh, we, we, I can't stress enough that we know, we know that's the only way to make a sustainable, growing news ecosystem in this country you know you could have you could have a huge amount of donations come in from some massive foundation right Mm -hmm. but it's been our experience anyway that donations tend to get used up and it's really the people who have uh you know seed money is wonderful and we're actually actively working to to secure some of that as well Uh, but um the but the, the the sustainable practice of journalism, just like, frankly, being the sustainable practice of painting or any other, you know, or any of the fine arts, is a really hard road to hoe. And, uh, but if you are given the tools to do it right, and a lot of the barriers are taken away, we think it can become a, we know it's critical, frankly, to make it happen. We think we can help make it happen. And we are going to, basically do everything we can possibly do to make it possible uh i I just can't stress that enough it's just it's what we know has to happen right this has to be financially viable for those people doing
0: my last question for you um when you think back about we think back through the evolution um what was and when was the light bulb moment? When did you personally realize that what you were doing was starting to catch or starting to work? And what was that what was that moment like? Because this is, A, it's very different, but B, this tool in terms of, of what it can be for journalism as a whole is... To, to put it mildly, game-changing. And, you know, this could be a real force in the coming years. And I'm curious, you obviously you see that now, but what was it like when that first, uh, when the switch flipped?
1: Wow. Uh, first of all, I'm deeply flattered that you think that. Um, I think I want to put a little bit of context around that uh, before I I know because I think that it's important to understand the context sure. um, there are a lot of people who've been trying to create local news platforms uh, there's some out there who are doing a really good job of it you know some uh, one just came out a little while ago you know uh, some have upfront costs ours does not but some do um, there are a lot of people who have um, Uh, other sort of models around this thing. Um, Ours tries to be reductive and simple. But coming from the patch project, you know, which is, you know, it's a, it's in the black, it's, it's, it's profitable company, uh, remarkably. Um, And, with the sort of soul of a nonprofit, you know, and really trying to do the best we can, given the financial constraints of, of, uh, of the industry and everything else, um, and building the best product we can with some of the best and hardest working editors I have ever known. It's just a privilege to be even in the room with the people who are working at Patch most of the time. Uh, the... We, we went through these really hard choices, right? That in order to cover a number of towns in any fashion, financially viable fashion, we had to people have people covering a couple of towns, and we had to start using technology to leverage content around, you know, be a little bit regional, but not too regional because that's garbage. And, you know, so, so we really had to start being really smart and thinking about how we do this as a, as a model for this large business where we have all these economies of scale, and everything else. What we kept running up against, and what I thought was really intr- what was the sort of unit economics problem of the individual town. Meaning, how do we make the, you have Patch, which is a 1,200-town ecosystem, right? How do you make it not a uh, sort of welfare state, where you have a bunch of towns making money, a bunch of towns losing money, right? And how do you make this, this ecosystem expand organically? How do you make the, 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 the unit economics of each town be viable? Um, and as we started looking at that problem, that problem became more and more difficult uh, for any number of reasons, programmatic, whatever else it happened to be. The fact that you did have the realities of the business meant that you had to definitely have towns making a lot more money than other towns in order to pay for it, you know, that kind of stuff. So the, the, the unit economic question always seemed to get subsumed into the macroeconomic question of the larger business, which is, you know, how do we make the business work? And now let's look at the unit economic problem again. So we suddenly just took a step back. We had a sort of breath of, we had a little bit of room to start this project for a number of reasons within the business. And we said, no, well, let's just look around for people who are doing this, let's, like where, where are unit economic successes, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I wish we'd look at you because I would have come to you guys earlier on and be like, okay, we're going to build the Finger Lakes One, you know, uh, but the uh, but we're seeing, but you're even sort of more regional in some ways than what we're attacking. Though we yeah. do allow you to cover up to like, right now there's a limit of 20 towns, but that's sort of arbitrary. So you can have right. a town, you know, we have one person who's covering a county, you know, so they mm-hmm. have a number of towns they are covering that kind of thing. Um, but how we so we start just looking at people who were making their economics work. How do they do it? What's their secret? You know? How do you, you know, and we learned and learned and learned and we were thinking about, well, how do we do this for patch? And then we were thinking, oh why do it for Patch? You know, do it for these people who are actually going to do the job. And frankly, they're probably the unmanageable people who would never work at Patch anyway, or if they may have even once worked at Patch. But the, it's going to be the people who um, are really the people who are the rebels, the people who are innovative, the people who are out in the you know coming up with new ideas, making things work. Um, and I you know I can't thank enough of the folks who have been really uh, at the very you know. Helping this platform grow, you know, I can't thank, for instance, uh, Tran Longmore at the Celine Post has been one of the just smartest people on this problem. Um, And, uh, you know, and I'm just singling out one out of the many, many, many people we have spoken to on this problem. Um, But how we then look at the unit economics there and say, can we do that? Right. And because he's doing it. He has proven the fact, let's say Tran, for instance, has proven the fact that one can do it, right? It's not like, you know, it's like if you can, if one person get to the, can get to the moon, a second person can get to the moon, right? And so, okay, the unit economics work. Okay, let's build that. Let's build a unit economics machine. And so that's what we struggled at to do. And so that that moment when it was just suddenly we just took the model and upended it and said we're actually not going to look we're going to look at the the piece rather than the whole was was just remarkably clarifying. And as a technologist and as a developer and as you know a very flawed product person and everything else that I all the hats that I tend to wear it's immensely clarifying to have one itay fix you know one clarifying notion for everything you do and you know the labs.patch.com url which we use with the brand halo of patch is uh, is i think just the sort of starting place for this product right because um, and you know We use that because Patch does have a certain amount of credibility, good and bad, in the marketplace. We're completely aware of both sides of the opinions of Patch and, frankly, agree with them both. Um, And I think that we also are aware of the needs of the non-Patch towns to have something that Patch can give them. Um, We actually have empirical evidence on that. We've gotten over the course of the years. We even know that there's certain news deserts, Utica, New York, you know, everywhere in Kentucky, you know, all sorts of places that really, really need news mm-hmm. and are and want it. Um, and so I, I, I don't feel like I'm being quite as articulate about this as I need to be, but it's it's we we know what we need to build and we know who we need to build it for. And that is when you're sitting where I am having been in so many situations where you're not quite sure what you need to build and you're not sure who you're building it for right this is an immensely clarifying moment for us in, at, the, at the lab section of patch and uh we, we can't wait to get it in front of people and you know um all of us uh, on on the team you know are happy to talk to anybody about it and talk to you know help people get on the platform do whatever they need uh we give you a url or a subdomain url free so you can get up and running if we want to use your own you can do that a news organization that wants to ditch their old site we've migrated a couple on we can migrate another one you know uh, it, those kinds of things are all a, the part and parcel of the same problem which is you know creating this the sustainable platform this for this fundamental you know fourth estate public good that needs to happen and you know i will say this that the if you combine me and the two primary developers on this team we have about 30 years of experience in hyperlocal which is i don't want to date myself or them but uh, and if you combine that with the rest of patch which we still rely upon for a lot of stuff. We have an enormous amount of experience behind us. um, And I think many of our worst mistakes are behind us rather than ahead of us. Uh, So, uh, you know, we can't, we can't be more excited about what we're building. And that has been, you know, it's been one of the great joys of my professional career to be, to be a part of this venture. And, you know, we want to help, you know, and, you know, for instance, help by, Help a journalism school use, use this as a platform to, to work towards their, you know, everyone towards their own portfolio. To right. help, you know, an existing paper, it'll work there. To help a, even someone who is, you know, a topic reporter in a small town or in a big town, saying, I'm just gonna cover restaurants in, you know, Westchester County. It'll work there, you know? And, and but the most important thing is that it's working. For people, right, and and that's where we need more people on it. The more people on it, the better it's going to work. And it's just it's one of those classic situations. But I and I can only say and thank you for having me on to 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 help tell people about it because you know I, I know it's going to work. Everybody who's on it as soon as they get demoed it, and you saw it, Josh, I, I, I showed you, it's sort of like, I can, can I get that? <laughs> I and, it's, and it's exciting, you know? And uh, and and frankly, what we want to do at the end of the day is be a uh, a friendly, good citizen in the local news ecosystem. And this is not a competitive practice for Patch. Honest to God it's not I, I i keep saying it's just that cheesy we're really trying to be a good citizen help out in and, and i think that there's going to be a market of people trying to make this thing work the washington post has their own platform which is you know not really for the local news people right it's pretty expensive but yeah. uh it's great for a bigger organization maybe one doesn't know yet uh but and a lot of people are starting to build, build out solutions for this, and we applaud that. I mean, I, but ours is remarkably clear and focused in a way that some others may be a little bit more ideological. And both of those things have their place, but uh, we're really just aiming to help the reporters on the ground first, because they're going yeah. to do the news.
0: Yeah, and and you know that uh, conversation that you mentioned off the top that I had with uh, Steve Keeler from from Cuyahoga Community College. It was I I referred to Patch Labs as the WordPress killer, and as it turns out, after our our first conversation and now this conversation, I think uh, it's clear to anybody who would be listening that you know it's game changing in a number of different ways for a number of different aspects of the news business. Not just for the journalist. Obviously, it benefits the Journalist, a great deal. deal. But this can enhance communities. It can make the other parts of the news business that are a little painstaking and maybe a little bit out of reach for uh, different folks who have, maybe as an example, a journalism background, uh, make those elements a little easier to navigate. And that is why it's so awesome. Abe, I appreciate the time today. Thanks so much for taking it. it's, It's been my pleasure. Anytime. Thank you, John. That does it for this week's Sunday Conversation. You can check out archived episodes by clicking on the link in the show notes. You can also find us on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much for listening, and I will catch you next week.